Welcome to Sober Nation FM, a podcast network dedicated to sharing experience, strength, and hope so that you may continue to live your best life of recovery. The Sober Podcast Network is brought to you by Sober Nation. Do you want to live a healthy, sober life? Sober Nation is the world's leading online recovery community. Find support, resources, stories of hope, and even an online treatment program at SoberNation.com. Live a happy life. Be comfortable in your skin and join the recovery movement. Once again, that's SoberNation.com. Now enjoy today's episode. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in, and thanks to you for supporting the show. Today's guest is Pastor Tim Biddle, my good homie from Vacaville, California. (laughs) Tim and Robin Biddle, his beautiful wife, are married, and were married in 2004. They have two daughters, Ellie and Livy. The two began serving in youth ministry in 2005 and became staff pastors in 2010. They currently oversee the youth, young adult ministries at the Father's House, at all the Father's House locations, uh, the Encounter Generation Conference, Life Change Retreats, and the Father's House Leadership Pipeline. They're passionate about equipping and releasing leaders and consider it to be an honor to be called to such a noble task. Tim also owns and operates Biddle & Associates, a successful local real estate practice. Mr. Tim Biddle, Pastor Tim Biddle, it's great to have you on Sober Guy Radio. How are you, man? I'm doing excellent. That bio made me sound way cooler than I really am. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man, that's no, you're, you're a pretty cool cat. I, it's funny you say that, actually, and you bring this up already because I think um, a lot of people, when they think of a pastor, I know um, in my in my previous uh, my previous days, one of the first <laughs> things that comes in mind is like flooding khakis in like a short tie or oh, something, bro. and it's just not that's not what it is, right? Not yet. It might be coming back. All styles <laughs> come back for sure, yeah. uh, but definitely not. Uh, my wife and I definitely not our church. Uh, no, nah, man, we're pretty we're pretty normal ducks. We uh, I don't think I own a pair of khakis, so that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I do. I used to rock the Dickies back in the day a bro, lot. I don't, I, I, hardcore. I, yeah, Dickies bend. I still actually I love some bend. Davis still, but uh, yeah, the Dickies are gone. I, uh, uh, well, you know this because we used to skate together back in the day, yes. but the style was either Jinkos or Dickies cut off at the bottom, <laughs> large enough so that they covered the entire shoe and then a big long belt to tie it, tie it all together. It was a good time. Yes. The, I remember the threaded belt and it yeah. kind of hung down like a tail. Like, uh, yeah. Kind of like a tail. A front tail. I forgot <laughs> about that. And I forgot about the Jinkos too. What an ugly oh. style. Bro, they're coming back say. too. Jinko they really? literally released a, a new line of clothing recently. No way. I know that's not what we're here to talk about. but No, you know. it's totally <laughs> cool. I love getting on topics like this because they're random and they're fun. Like Jinkos. <laughs> I, I've never even remembered that in days. I dare you to buy a pair and wear them next week. Oh, Jess will smack the crap out of me. <laughs> She'll, she'll tell me no, that's not working. Oh man! So you know, well, you had already mentioned we've known each other for a long time. Um, yes, sir. It's kind of funny how how life takes its turns and its circles, and we kind of reconnected after uh, after a lot of years of of not really seeing each other or talking, and and here we are today, uh, sitting in and uh, having a good conversation. Um, just so the listeners out there get to know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Tim. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, I grew up in, in Vacaville for most of my life, moved here when I was nine, uh, went to Vacapena Middle School and Wilseywood High School, graduated in 2001, uh, went to college for two days and uh, decided <laughs> that was not the path. Uh, actually, the second day of college, uh, I was in a band at the time and we signed a record deal. And uh, so I expediently left the college experience to get on the road and tour and uh, thought that that was going to be my life, uh, planned on being a rock star and all that came along with it. And uh, that was that was not in the cards, uh, as every good VH1 fan knows. Like the band always breaks <laughs> up, right? So, uh, band broke up after a little bit of time, uh, and uh, I, I still tried to fiddle around a little bit in the music career, uh, but didn't go anywhere. Got a sales job that turned into real estate. Uh, so, got my license at 21. Uh, started a, a company a couple of years later, and was selling real estate. Thought that's where I was headed uh, until kind of got interrupted by church stuff. So now I, I, I do the both. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome, man. And uh, um, I did not know about the the dream to uh, to be a musician. I didn't know. I mean, I knew that I always knew you played drums and that you're a musician and such, but I never knew that you had actually got a record deal and that you had that vision of going down that road yeah, of, yeah, yeah, of yeah. being in the music business. That's cool, man. I just figured uh, it was one of the coolest jobs out there, right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Came complete with <laughs> tattoos and you know a yep. van and all of that. So. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, we chased it for a little bit and man, just it, it's grueling and it's not glamorous at all, especially if, yeah. you, if you're not near the, the top of anything. So it's a yeah. lot of nights sleeping in a van and a lot of dirty clubs and, you know, on down yeah. the road you go. Yeah. It's a tough lifestyle, man. Uh, you know, I have uh, quite a few friends as I'm sure you do that, that are in the music business. Um, and, and it is a, uh, it's a rough life, man. Yeah. You're gone a lot. And, um, you know, I think we, as the listeners out there, we get to we get to see the the big shows and the big productions and stuff. But but behind behind the scenes stuff is uh, is really grueling. Yeah, and it's not it's not pretty when you're hanging out backstage. And I mean, you know, obviously coming from the pasts we came from, everybody's back there doing what they do, and you know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's just not a not a fun environment to exist in for too long. Yeah. What what was the name of the band? Oh, you're gonna make me go down this road, huh? <laughs> Hey, I have some uh, old, the yeah, irony I, of it was that it was called silence, but it was anything but. <laughs> I, I remember now, actually, now that you said that. That's right, silence. Man, those were fun days, man. I love bringing up that old stuff, man. It's kind of cool to uh, to look back on, you for know? sure. Made us who we are today. I, that, absolutely, that's a that's a great point. That's one thing that uh, that I've really um, I feel like grown grown into, and I'm still growing through and learning is that a lot of the struggles. A lot of the ups and downs in my past, um, you know, have really made me the person that I am today. Totally. And what's helped me get over those struggles is embracing that and accepting those and and understanding and almost being proud of those things. Um, even though some of the things I'm not proud of, sure. at the same time, um, they've really shaped me for for who I am today. Totally, and especially you know, in light of the the the, the trajectory that our lives have taken, to look back and say, hey, look at what I've come from. I yeah. mean, look, you know, the people you're helping now with this show and the people that you interact yeah. with on a, on a week to week and day to day basis, I think it adds a certain amount of credibility uh, to to the conversation because immediately someone goes, okay, you're not, you know, especially as a, a guy like me who, who's, a, who's a pastor and, and most people would assume that a pastor's never done anything or, you know, never seen anything or, you know, never experienced anything to be able to go, hey, I've been where you've been, I've done what, you've, what you're doing and yeah. uh, there's a certain amount of credibility in that conversation that goes, okay, 
I can listen to you because you've been there, done that before. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, there's a re- there's a relatability factor and a real factor there. Like you know, when when you talk to somebody who's uh, who's who's lived life and who's been through yeah. some things, um, and and we're gonna continue to go go through things. You know, come on. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's that's for sure. Uh, so what what led you uh, to become a pastor? Oh man, um, I, honestly, if I if I could synopsize it, it would be a series of yeses, just saying one yes after the next. Um, a, a lot of people who are pastors or in ministry, they had this dream as a kid that this is what they wanted to always do, or you know, they always wanted to be involved in church world. They, they saw themselves in vocational ministry. I was never that guy. Uh, I had different aspirations for my life. I didn't like my youth pastor. I, I, the last thing I wanted to become was him. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I just definitely wasn't what I was looking for. Uh, but then after being at our church for a little bit and uh, I was actually playing drums there and serving and just hanging out in the youth ministry and helping any way I could. Um, one day our, our pastor came up to my wife and I, and he said, Hey, I feel like you guys are are wired for this. Uh, you know, you're quote called to this and maybe we can talk about what that looks like a little bit later on, but, um, I'd like to invest in you guys and, 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 you know, help, help you see this come to pass in your life. So uh, I thought, man, sure, let's, let's give it a shot. So we said yes to that. And then a couple years later, he asked us to take on a, a job at the church vocationally in ministry. And at first we said no because of the, uh, the business, but then, uh, you know, we prayed about it a little bit and, uh, and, and came back and said, okay, we think this is the right thing to do. So we said yes again. And then, you know, you fast forward every, everything we just continue to say yes to. And as we yeah. say, yes, sort of the, the plan, if you will, gets revealed bit by bit. Yeah. It's funny. So, I mean, you, you're, you're kind of following, um, well, you're taking a leap of faith in a sense, right? I mean, yeah. you're you're really putting you're really putting your faith into uh, into that into that calling. Or um, I've noticed too, a lot of the time when I feel resistance on something, like I know I probably should do it. Sure. And uh, we talk about that a lot in in recovery too. Like for instance, going to going to a meeting. If somebody needs to get to a meeting, if you feel like um, if you really don't want to go, like you should probably get your butt there as soon as you can. <laughs> That's right. Um, so what, it, let, so, let me, let me make, can I make yeah, a statement about that? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll make a, I'll make a church connection to that statement yeah. as well. So, uh, the line I always use is, is resistance is the sign of progress. Uh, resistance mm-hmm. is the sign that you're headed in the right direction. And the reason we say that, um, you know, for your listeners sake, if you can imagine for a moment that God is real and the devil is real, uh, and, and they both are, are out for you, <laughs> one yeah. for the good, one for the bad. Uh, if, if you are just existing and you're not doing anything significant or meaningful with your life, then you don't really pose any threat to, to the devil, right? The devil doesn't care if you're going to sit around on your couch and, and do nothing about life and not, not be effective and not help anybody out. Yeah. Uh, but the second you decide to step out and do something significant and, and despite the discomfort, you just embrace it and you move forward you always run into opposition because again, if the devil's real, he's going to want to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. And so that resistance is proof that you're headed in the right direction. You're doing what God wants and the enemy's trying to come up against you. Man, that's, yeah, that's legit right there, man. And that, that force that you're talking about is so, so strong. Um, and and it's like, what, what weapons do I bring into that battle? Like, where's my, you know, where's my, my faith, where is my, uh, what mm. tools do I have to, to battle that? Um, what's your experience in actually, um, battling back against a force that's, uh, that's really stronger than, than any, any human. Sure. I think, um, man, I think, I think you learn through failure, right? So, I mean, I mm. think there's a lot of times where you, you, you lose, 
that battle, if you will. Uh, like I, years ago, um, I, I was also in a kind of an addictive state, um, not, not drugs or alcohol per se, but, uh, I, I struggled pretty badly with, uh, with pornography and stuff online. Uh, I don't know if that's overshare for this show, but not at all, man. I, I struggle with it too, man. Like straight up. There you go. So, yep. Uh, like there's battles you win and there's battles you lose. And sometimes it feels like you're chalking up a lot more losses than you are wins. And uh, you're like, oh man, I did that again. Or I looked at that again. Or I said I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so you lose and you lose, but then you win one and then you lose again and then you win two. And, you know, it, it just becomes this, 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 ongoing, um, uh, this ongoing fight for progress. And I think once you begin to win enough fights and you realize that, you have the capacity to say no and to say yes to the right stuff and no to the ba- no to the wrong stuff, if you will. Uh, and you chalk up enough wins, it just becomes pattern. Yeah. And I think at this point in my life, you know, I look back on that season and I'm like, I, I can honestly, I can look you in the eye and say, I don't remember the last time I struggled with that. I don't remember the last yeah. time I did that. Um, but it wasn't by nature of, you know, a cold turkey moment. It was uh, a series of losses followed by a series of victories by another loss, by some more victories until ultimately, you know, you just became victorious over it. Yeah, that's it's so huge. And what what is that that um I mean I can remember back drinking and and just doing that same pattern over and over every day. Like I'm not gonna do this tomorrow. Or yeah. then waking up and saying, I'm not gonna do this today, and then by noon be doing it again, you know? <laughs> and it was just repetitive cycle. Um you know, and it, it, it was, it felt like Groundhog Day almost, you know, it was just <laughs> over and over. And it's that Tom I, Cruise movie, the uh, Live to Die Another Day or whatever. The uh, Is that Mission in, Mission Impossible? No, is that other? Oh, I can't remember it now. It's all right. That's all right. You, you people I, know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. But uh, man, it's uh, it that whole, that whole mentality of, um, of trying to, of trying to stop, but not having, um, or trying to do it on your own, I guess too. Yeah. You know, it just does. It didn't doesn't work. You know, never what I mean? does. Like you, you gotta you gotta reach out. Um, you gotta reach out to uh, to somebody or something. And one of the topics we kind of had today uh, on the list was a spiritual awakening. Mm. Um, you know, what is a spiritual awakening? Have you had a spiritual awakening? I think a lot of people out there listening might say, um, you know, I, I don't know if I've had a spiritual awakening. Like, how do I know? Um, what are your, well, well, first off, like, have you, what was your spiritual awakening, Tim? Did you have one or sure. what, you know, what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, I, I grew up going to church with my family. Uh, we, we went to a church in town for years, but, um, for most of my junior high, high school career, uh, I, I went out of a sense of obligation. I definitely wasn't, um, personally attached to or connected to what was happening. I wouldn't say that I had a, a relationship with God at all. Uh, so when I was 18 and I was finally allowed to do what I wanted to do, the first thing I did was I bailed. In fact, I remember the day, I, the last day I went to church, uh, this will throw someone for a loop. Um, I, uh, I'd been out drinking the night before and partying with some friends and I was playing drums for our church the next morning. So I'm sitting on the drum set, a little hung over from the night before and playing drums. And I remember looking out over the audience and going, something's wrong here. Like, like this ain't right. I can't do this. I'm, I'm faking I'm faking it in front of all these people and I don't, I don't believe I'm not engaged in what I'm doing. And, uh, that was the last time I went to that church. So I left the church and I kind of did my own thing for, for a season. And, uh, I remember a buddy of mine invited me to come to our current church now. And he said, Hey, um, 
uh, there, here's a place where nobody knows your name, nobody knows your story. You get a chance to kind of start over again. Yeah. And uh, so I, I remember I walked into the doors, and having been, you know, familiar with church my whole life, I, I thought I knew what I was gonna gonna experience. You know, another boring guy on the stage talking, some people singing some songs I heard before. Short tie khakis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Short tie khakis uh, and a little cracker that tastes like styrofoam. And uh, I remember I walked in the doors and I felt something I'd never felt before. Uh, it was like, you know, I, I, I expected to walk in and go, okay, if God's real, then surely he's ticked about the fact that I've been gone for so long and I've been doing my own thing. And that's the exact opposite of what I felt. I walked into those doors and the second the band began to play and, and you know, stuff began to happen in the room, I just felt, you can call it an energy, you can call it an aura. Uh, you know, in church world, we would, we would call it the presence of God or, or yeah. the, the, the Holy Spirit. And um, man, I, I just felt God like I'd never felt God before. And uh, in that moment, I didn't feel his anger. I didn't feel his disappointment. Um, I felt his uh, approval. I felt... You know, we would call it grace or mercy, just the complete and total unmerited forgiveness of everything I'd done. Awesome. And I just remember sitting there weeping in that moment and going, this is what I've been missing. This is what I, I was lacking. Everything was dead and religious before, yeah. but that's not what it was about. It was about a, a real God that wanted to connect with a real human named Tim. And uh, in that moment, if you will, I, I kind of had my, my little spiritual awakening and, uh, and that led to many other uh, spiritual moments or encounters, yeah. if you will, in the in the months and years to come, that have ultimately shaped uh, my destiny and who I become today. What is it about the human spirit or the soul or inside of us that when we don't have that connection um, to God, mm -hmm. or in if we're gonna, you know, in recovery talk, a lot of the time it's a higher power. Sure. Um, what is it in in us that? when we're not connected to that, we feel empty. Like I, like I, I, I remember searching for so many years, like, God, like, what is my purpose? Like, why am yeah. I here? Like, why am I even alive? Like, what, what am I supposed to do today? Like, I know I'm here for something more. Um, when you said that you, that you felt that, um, that you felt that feeling yeah. of like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, like how, everybody doesn't get to find that, do they? Yeah. Or, or, or how can they find that? Sure. I think I think everybody has the opportunity to. Yeah. Um, in fact, I know everybody has the opportunity to. Some some are hostily opposed to it because of the the khakis and the short tie. <laughs> you know, they're, they're well, like a bad experience, right? Yeah. We talk a lot about that. Like growing up, maybe you had a bad experience right. in a different church or whatever. Yeah, and and they they associate that experience or even the fallen humanity aspect of that organization or that religious group. They they superimpose that onto God, which is just not fair because. Yeah. You're saying that God is the same as people, um, but you know there, there's a there's a scripture yeah. in in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it says uh, that the that eternity is bound up in the heart of every human. And in other words, what that scripture means is that there's something inside every single human that has this desire to connect with eternity, this desire to connect with something that is greater than them. Uh, I think even the agnostic and the atheist out there, they're vehement attempts to oppose eternity and oppose God are wrapped up in this, you know, nagging internal feeling that perhaps there is something other than humanity and there yeah. perhaps there is something other than what they're experiencing. 
and they want to justify why they want to live the way they want to live because they can't shake the fact that there's something greater than them that they they want to connect to, but they can't figure out how to connect to. Yeah. And I think that every human has that inside of them, this desire to be connected to something supernatural, if you will. That's why there's this phenomenon of movies and entertainment that is just, I mean, literally billions of dollars that are being made because the entertainment industry is trying to tap into the desire that's inside of every human when in reality, you can get it for free. You just walk into a good church and uh, yeah. you can immediately connect with the, with the God of the universe who created you and has a plan for your life. Well, man, you brought up so many good points there. And, you know, so I think that's, that's, the, that's one aspect of it. And then if you put next to that too, the whole society aspect on a human level yeah what is my friend what are my friends going to think what is my family going to think sure what, are, what you know we're so worried about what other people are going to think sometimes and so we don't live up to our full potential and follow god's word or follow our path our purpose whatever it is because we're too worried about what other people are going to think and, I, and i'm guilty of it you know what i mean sure. like i'm not saying that i i haven't done that or that i won't do that still i hope not but um what what side of that do you see with people that are, are, are searching for God, are searching for something more, um, that are just really having a hard time with it. Um, is it, is it more of a society thing? Is it more of just a connection thing or is it more, um, maybe they just uh, had a bad experience? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I think it's all of those things. I, I think, um, people's, views on religion, God, whatever, in many ways, they are the byproduct of their experiences. Uh, they, you know, my dad and I, uh, we're both Christians, but we, uh, we, we see things a little different in terms of, you know, interpreting portions of the Bible and what, you know, what, what is for the church, what is not for the church. Yeah. Um, for lack of a better term, I guess. And, the reason we see things differently is because I've had an experience that proves that what I say is right. And he's had an experience that proves what he says is right, you know? And so, yeah. uh, you know, there's this ongoing uh, joke in church world that your theology is ultimately the byproduct of your experience. And, you know, we all perceive and, and, and uh, I guess we, we, we interpret scripture through the lens of our experiences. Um, so I, I think that there's a, a bit of truth to that for sure. Um, but I think the hardest thing for humanity, and if I could, if I could water it down to, you know, its simplest form, I think it's this in order for humanity to buy into the idea of a, of a higher being, to have a spiritual awakening, you have to first believe that you were created by God. Um, I've always said this to students when we talk to students, I said, the first five words of the Bible are the most important words of the Bible. And if you can't believe those words, you'll never believe anything else in the Bible. And the first five words are in the beginning, God created you know, and if you don't believe that God created you, then you don't really have access to him and his assistance in your purpose. You don't have any connection to heaven. And I think that culture has done such a drastic job of trying to convince humanity that they were not created, that they were the byproduct of an accident or, you know, some atoms colliding in, in the universe millions of years ago or, or whatever. You're the byproduct of a monkey. And if, if, if you came from, from an animal, then you're going to act like an animal. If you're the byproduct of an accident, then you're going to live your life on accident. But if you were created by God, then you weren't just created. You were created for a purpose. And ultimately, everything else stems from the understanding that I started in God's hands and in, in, in his heart. And now I get to live a life based on those things. What do you think, and, and this is a theory or a thought I have too, is the difference between religion and a relationship with God. I think a lot of people get that confused. And I think that I know it did for me. It prohibited me from 
um, from actually stepping outside of that box and, and starting to, um, to, to follow God. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you look at that and how do you explain that to somebody? Yeah. I think if you read the Bible instead of, you know, attending a church, um, that may be a bit jacked up. Um, what you'll find in the Bible is that God has been in the business since the beginning of time. Uh, he's been in the business of connecting with and desiring relationship with humanity. Uh, in, in, you know, in the old Testament, a lot of failed attempts in the new Testament, he sends Jesus, uh, not that God failed, but humanity failed. Yeah. And, uh, in the new Testament, he sends Jesus and makes a way for us to once and for all be in relationship with him. Um, I think where religion has ruined it for relationship is that they've added their, you know, prescription of rules and regulations and, you know, their little batch of what you can and can't do. And they've become dogmatic about those things and said, if you do it this way, then, you know, God's okay with you. But if you don't, then God's yeah. not. And again, it's, it's humanity's attempt to control humanity when we were never created to be controlled. We were created for relationship with God. And in relationship with God, ultimately, if you want to call it control, uh, you, you, you don't have to control yourself. You are led by the Spirit or you're controlled by the Spirit yeah. of God. So, you yeah. know, those urges, those inclinations that are godly or, or purified in nature, they, they ultimately begin to compel your life down a certain path. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for my for my roots, um, but that stand, sit, kneel, stand, sit, kneel, stand, <laughs> sit, kneel, man. <laughs> get knee pads for church. <laughs> man, yeah. It's just, you know, and that's, I think, as, as a kid, you know, you get, you just get lost in that. It's just, yeah. um, it's just what, what you do. It's what we did. It's, I, you know, I did that because that's what my grandparents did and, and my parents did. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to show any disrespect towards that by any means, but, uh, man, there, there's more, I guess, yeah. you know, there, there's more, at least there, there was for me. <laughs> and, uh, totally. um, I, I don't know, man, it's huge. Um, I, so on the spiritual awakening, I got an email, um, and I haven't read an email in a while. I, I got this one the other day and, um, I thought it was, it was kind of relevant to the spiritual sure. awakening topic. So I'd like to read it and then kind of, uh, hear, hear your take on it and what your thoughts are on awesome. it too. Uh, so it says, Hey Shane, I just wanted to thank you for giving me the courage to swallow my pride and get off the couch into a 12 step meeting. I can't remember a time in my life when I wasn't dealing with depression. Like many of us as a teenager, I found alcohol and pot, which became an instant way to numb the pain. In the third grade, I was diagnosed with sensory integration disorder. This led me to spend a lot of time in the PACE classroom, AKA insert your derogatory term for the remedial class here. Hmm. This made me think of myself as slow or challenged, which led to the beginning of my depression. When I was a freshman in high school, my buddies and I started drinking and puffing. At the time, I thought I was having fun just hanging out with the stoners. I was blind to what I was really doing. Fast forward to August 2014, I rolled my truck off the side of a mountain in Colorado in the midst of a blackout drunk. This was my third DUI and the fourth truck I'd, I had totaled from drinking and driving. I have no idea how I survived, and while recovering, I was thinking about suicide almost every day. Wow. Shortly after, I decided to stop drinking, and I haven't looked back. In the past two years, I've cleaned up my act. I haven't had a single drink. I quit smoking dope. I'm in the process of rebuilding my life. Somewhere along the way, I found uh, TSG and took the time to actually listen to what you and your guests were saying. Um, as recently as Thanksgiving of this year, I've still had the dark thoughts at times hated myself, but once I started going to meetings and, and, um, and uh, the first, second, and third, I found that when I, when I do that and do what I feel like I'm supposed to, I feel much better. Um, 
It's been a big part of my recovery. Thank you, Wade. So I, I, I just thought, I mean, that there's a lot there. I know sure, I, sure. I, I kind of had to condense that down too, Wade, but thank thanks you for being for, honest, Wade. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank, thank you. Um, thanks for saying that, Tim. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's good stuff, man. I know it's hard to, uh, to open up like that sometimes, even in an email, because that's sure. about being honest. But, um, I mean, being a pastor, pastor Tim, I know you've, I know you've heard a lot of different people's testimonies. I know you've heard some, some really probably hard things to hear, um, in your time helping other people. Um, what, well, what are your thoughts on this email first? Let's yeah. start there. So first thing, I think what jumps off the page to me first and, and probably more loudly, uh, than anything else, um, is that, that recurring depression and an attempt to numb that depression with substance. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, later in the email, you said you haven't, you haven't touched a drink in, in a couple of years and you haven't smoked in a couple of years and you went to recovery, but those feelings of suicide and depression, they popped up again. And, uh, this would be, and, and, you know, you can stop me at any moment if I'm, uh, if I'm overstepping my boundaries here, but, <clears throat> um, you know, if you're not careful, um, even meetings can become your new drug. Um, the very thing to numb the feeling, if you will, of depression and suicidal thoughts and anxiety. Meetings are helpful because they move you in the right direction and it's an opportunity to be honest and open and, and it gives you a, a platform and a venue, if you will. But um, I guess it's the difference between uh, taking a an antibiotic and you know m- medicating something versus just being instantly healed, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, medication can numb it. It can make the pain go away for a season, but it will, it will rear its ugly head again. I know this having walked through, uh, this, this traumatic situation with hundreds of people who have been depressed and suicidal. Um, it will forever be the, the nagging voice, uh, in your ear, the, the whisper, if you will, on your shoulder until, um, you, you surrender everything to that higher power. If you surrender it all to, to, to God, ultimately, um, you know, there's a, a number of scriptures in the Bible I could quote, but Isaiah, uh, chapter 61 talks about this exchange program that, that God gives us. And, uh, it says that this is Jesus. It's speaking of Jesus said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me. And he goes on this list of things that he's anointed him to do. And he says, he gives me beauty for ashes and joy for mourning and gladness and instead of despair. And there's this, 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 this typology, this picture, if you will, of, of somebody handing over their depression and their anxiety and their suicidal thoughts. And in replace, uh, in replace of those things, God gives them overwhelming joy and purpose and something to live for. And, you know, the idea of not living, not having anything to live for is replaced yeah. with, I got something for you and, and I'm going to use you to do something great in this life. And so I, I would caution you with this, my friend, um, don't put all your faith and trust and hope in meetings, uh, because even those as good as they are, will at some point, um, on, only numb the reality that you're facing and, uh, and it will come back to haunt you again. Um, you got to find something to once and for all deal with those, those feelings of depression and anxiety. Good advice, man. Uh, Wade, thank you for, for reaching out and, uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, thanks also for supporting, so supporting the show too, man. Um, so pastor Tim, what is, I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't love when people say that. I don't want to put you on the spot, but (laughs) But I'm I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, is there one, is there one, two, I don't know, maybe there's one or two that really stands out to you that, 
where you've where you've seen just an absolute miracle. Somebody who was depressed, addicted, suicidal, um, you know, broken marriages, all kinds of different things that we as people struggle with. Is there one that really stands out to you where you were just like, I mean, it's just the ma- the amazing healing power of, sure. of God. Yeah. Um, man, I, I got a, I got a lot of those stories. I, yeah. Uh, okay. First one that pops in, into my head. Um, there's a guy at our church. His name is a, his name is Matt and, uh, Matt's probably late twenties. And, um, he, when he was in high school, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he was, uh, injured in uh, a football game or practice or something like that, where uh, a guy took a cheap shot and stepped on the lower portion of his back and uh, just messed up his bone structure and his uh, and, and his his muscles and everything in the back in the back there, and he went through a number of surgeries and attempts to get it all healed up, and ultimately the doctors said, you know, we're just going to have to medicate this, and you'll have to you'll have to rely on medication to to keep the pain away. So he got pretty heavily addicted to uh, oxycotton and you know all, all of the yeah. all the pain numbing stuff out there, and he was taking you know pill after pill after pill after pill every single day. And uh, he came from a Catholic church background, came to our church um, a little bit later on in life and uh, came through something we call life change retreats, which is a, it's a three day intensive, like let's deal with all our junk and just get it out there and have the, have the hard chats, everything from drug addiction to pornography to, uh, you know, unforgiveness and all this stuff. I went, it was amazing. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You heard this dude's story. It- yeah. So, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just so, I'm like amazed right now. <laughs> so, uh anyway, this this guy shows up and we we get into this session about um about unforgiveness. And uh I would say this to any of your listeners as I enter into this part of the story, uh it's amazing what unforgiveness can produce in your life. You know, a uh, bitterness against a, a father figure or someone who's wronged you or an ex-wife or an ex-spouse that's cheated on you or whatever it is. And you hold on to that bitterness and then you make decisions without realizing it based on that bitterness. That bitterness provokes you to make decisions that yeah. ultimately are damaging to yourself. And, uh, and so we get into this session and we're talking about you know, the nature of God and how he forgave us and how um, a true understanding of his forgiveness will cause us to forgive others as well. And uh, this guy, Matt, comes forward after, after that session. He, he asks for me to pray with him. And I said, yeah, what, what can I pray for? And he said, well, there's this kid who stepped on my back when I was a... Uh, a teenager, and you know, I've I've been addicted to, to these these pain numbing drugs ever since because of of this experience. So I said, "Yeah, man, let's pray." So we just prayed, said a simple prayer, and uh, you know, he he out loud said, I, "I forgive this guy for what he did to me, and uh, I release him now." And and you know, God, I pray I wouldn't hold this bitterness against him any longer. So we we end, and you know, there was no tears, there was nothing crazy yeah. that happened, and uh, I see him walk out the back door, and he comes back in about ten minutes later to the back door uh, with this giant garbage bag filled with empty pill bottles, oh, wow. and uh, he said, "I um, I felt something when we were praying, and I feel like I feel like God's healed me." And uh, these are all the pill bottles that were in my car. These are empty used pill bottles from the last couple of years. I don't know why I kept them all, but here they are in this garbage bag. And uh, here's the few bottles that I have right now, and I'm throwing them in the trash can. I'm never having another pill again. I said, okay, well, let's see how this works out for you. Yeah. So I could go into gruesome detail about the condition of his back. There was like an open wound that would never close up. And uh, in that moment, he threw his pills away, never touched a pill again. His uh, festering wound on his back yeah. was um, miraculously and completely healed right there on the spot. And uh, now, you know, years later, he can point back to that moment and say, because I forgave somebody, I was no longer dependent on this outside agent to numb 
this, you know, this pain that I was walking through, uh, I, I, I forgave and I was miraculously healed in one moment and I've never had to look back. And, uh, you know, I, he just stood up as recently as a couple months ago. So stop. He got off That's drugs crazy. in one moment, his back healed up in one moment, um, all because he decided to forgive. Crazy, man. I, I remember him describing the wound too. Yeah. It's, and, it ain't, uh, it ain't good. It, yeah. It, it, I, it wasn't pretty. And I remember kind of cringing and going, wow. He showed me a picture. I threw up man. in the mouth. <laughs> Throwing up in the mouth is never good. <laughs> nah. Never fun. Oh, man. So let's talk a little bit about the Father's House, man. Um, what an amazing, amazing church, um, amazing people. Um, you know, since Jess and I have came in, I think two years, two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, just And, you know, our lives have changed so much. Um, I think that I think that there's there's people that don't understand uh, sometimes church and um, relationship with God, and they they may think, um, you know, oh, their their life's all perfect now. That's not the case. <laughs> like nah. I just want to say, it's not the case. Like we go through stuff like like any other totally any other like couple or individuals or with kids and all life stuff. But like. I just like having that anchor and I'm still, I'm still learning by the, you know, every single we day are, I'm man. learning something new, but like having that anchor of God in, in my recovery, in my marriage, like all that stuff has been so huge. It's, um, it's allowed me and, and don't get me wrong. I have bad days, but it's allowed me to literally wake up every single day excited about what the next day, like what is, what is God going to put in front of me that day? You know what I mean? And like, I can't even explain. Um, I used to hate waking up, man. I know that sounds so (laughs) crazy. Like I did not want to wake up because I just, exactly, bro. Exactly. I just felt like I had nothing to live for. And, um, you know, since, since that spiritual awakening back to that, um, man, it's just, it's been such, such an amazing thing. The father's house has changed so many lives. Um, what, what's your, I, I don't know, give, give us, I know. So father's house has a podcast too. I'd like to say that because anyone out there listening can go and find, um, find the podcast out there and you yeah. can listen uh, to pastor Tim. You can listen to, uh, pastor Dave, um, uh, pastor Raymond, pastor Raymond, yeah. I love pastor Raymond. Good dude. Um, yeah, just, uh, that's, He's he's probably one of the real and I don't know him well, but one of the realest one of the realest guys. Yeah. I'd like to talk to him actually. <laughs> nah, he's a good dude. You should get him yeah. on here. Yeah, I definitely should, man. Um, but yeah, it's just just a great, a great resource. And um it, that kind of leads me into this with you. You have really found um found your calling. You do a lot of speaking. Um, I know you're traveling around a bit. Um, you have a lot of good stuff uh, coming up. Like what, what's, uh, what's some things you're up to? What are, what's some of your, um, your favorite things to do and, and talk about and go <laughs> out in, in the world, man, and, uh, and get after. Yeah. Well, here's what I love about our church. And I would say this is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, you know, we, we have sort of a, a backwards approach, uh, to God and by backwards, I mean, backwards in terms of what humanity would expect, uh, God mm-hmm. to be like, uh, if you walk into most churches, um, you have to learn how to behave. And once you learn how to behave, then you can belong. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we are, we are exact opposite. Um, you walk in and you belong before you learn how to behave. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to know the rules and follow the rules. I mean, we are a, a, an eclectic gathering of jacked up individuals on any given Saturday night or Sunday and, uh, and, and I just, I love it, man. I love the motley crew that gathers, you know, by the thousands every <laughs> yeah. single week. 
Uh, and it's really because we've, we've built a church on this message. Um, Jesus is not looking for people that are perfect and that have it all figured out before they can figure out how to belong and be a part of his church and a part of his plan. He's really just looking for folks that understand how jacked up they are without him and will surrender completely and say, man, I'm a mess, but hopefully you can make me a little bit less of a mess and, uh, and we'll do this thing together. And, and man, that, that is the, uh, the overwhelming message, if you will, the culture that you would feel if you walked into the doors of our church, that everyone belongs, uh, whether you've learned how to behave yet or not, you know, we'll let God take care of that part. Our job is to just open up our arms and, and, and welcome everybody and anybody uh, into the church. And so um, when I get a chance to, to you know, stand in front of people, which is still weird to me that I do that and, uh, and, and talk. <laughs> Very about, good at it, by the <laughs> way. Very good. And I always enjoy, I always hear that to anyone who says, oh, Pastor Tim's up there today, man. Everyone's always excited. I know I am. I, I love hearing you talk because you're funny too. Yeah, like it's not fun, just like, enough. yeah, you tell life stories and then it's interweaved <laughs> with some some good scripture and some good lessons. And man, it's it's legit, man. Like I, Thanks, I love man. it, man. Super stoked for you. I uh, Every time I read the Bible, I realize that Jesus was a really good storyteller. So I just got to get good at telling stories, man. You know, uh, I think people story- relate. People relate to that. Oh, dude! I heard a lady say years ago. Uh, she said, I, "I think that the greatest the, the greatest aim of every preacher should be to learn how to make people laugh because when people are laughing and their mouths are open, it's much easier to feed them truth." Oh, nice, damn. Ain't yeah, that good? That's, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. So anyway, uh, when I get a chance to, to to yap in front of people or whatever, I mean. We, we talk about real life stuff. Like I, I know that the average person doesn't care about, you know, uh, history and, and, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the spiritual laws and, you know, whatever else, like it, we talk about real life. We talk about fear. We talk about anxiety. We talk about depression. We talk about, um, you know, people that, that were a mess that are a little less of a mess now because they decided to, to, to surrender everything to Jesus. And we're real about our lives and our stories and our struggles and, uh, you know, hoping that in, in our honesty, we can uh, create a, an environment where people know that we don't have it all figured out, but we know the one who does. And, you know, as long as we, uh, we continue to come back to the source of all of our joy and all of our hope, yeah. uh, then uh, ultimately it all just works out in the end. <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the things uh, that's kind of an ongoing thing on this show, it's kind of funny, I get emails occasionally about it, is like, uh, is cursing, right? So I'll, I'll curse and then I'll tell on myself because I, I, I'm like, man, I'm trying to stop cursing. <laughs> what, what is from, from, from pastor Tim's point of view, Oh man, what is cursing? Like, I, it's so funny. I know it sounds, maybe it sounds dumb, but like I have like this, um, there's this battle that's like, man, you know, you're a grown man, you're convicted sometimes and it just comes out and you speak truth and whatever. And sometimes I curse. And then the other side of me is like, man, try to be a better person. Like you're supposed <laughs> to be following God's way and like doing, and so I'm kind of conflicted in this battle. I'm just, I mean, what's your take on it? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's all right. That's, no, that's no, enough it, for you it, right there. It's like, <laughs> I'll say this. Okay. When I, uh, uh, I think I, th- I think what you say is the byproduct of what what you feed on or what you take in, right? So uh, picture yourself as a balloon and uh, whatever that balloon is taken in, the second it gets squeezed or the second it, you know, it, it, it gets pushed around a little bit, whatever's on the inside of it is going to come out. So I think, you know, whether it's cursing or whether it's, you know, joking that's crass and, and belittles women or, or whatever, you know, just stuff that, that we do say and we don't want to yeah. say and we always feel bad about it later, 
uh, or even anger and that kind of thing. I, I think I don't think it's the byproduct of trying to change and do better. I think it's the byproduct of taking in more good because the more good you take in, um, the second you get pressed or the you know the natural outflow of your mouth or your lips. Uh, is going to be going to be good stuff. So, yeah. you know, I, obviously I would assume that you're much better today than you were a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that is probably the byproduct of you taking in some good. There's a scripture where Jesus says, um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you're feeding your heart will ultimately come out of your mouth. Your mouth is sort of a window into whatever's going on in your heart. So uh, mm. whatever, whatever pops out of your mouth is just the byproduct of whatever you've been feeding on. And the more you feed on good stuff, the, the less and less you find bad stuff coming out. Nice, man. I like that. All right. I'm going to, that's yeah, a little nugget right there for the cranium <laughs> for sure. It was funny. I was listening to, uh, I think it was a, a Jocko podcast. Um, he's a, uh, a, a ex Navy SEAL, pretty, pretty bad dude. Nice. And uh, they were talking a little bit about this. Someone had written and said, why don't you curse? And he's like, well, you know, I, I do, I just don't do it on the show a lot. And he, and then he was kind of joking. He's like, I allow myself seven curse words a month. And he's like talking about, I'm like, man, he's exactly trying to rationalize. He's like, I don't know. Oh man, that's good stuff, man. Well, pastor Tim, man, hey, it was great having you, uh, on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm glad, uh, glad you came, glad you hung out. Um, Honor to be here, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for what you do, man. Thank you, uh, for, for you and Robin, uh, for your dedication to the church, to um, to to just people in general, and 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 helping people um, grow and be better people, man. It's Thanks. it's truly inspiring. It's uh, I'm I'm super stoked to uh to uh be be your buddy, man. That's for, <laughs> that's for real. You're part of the journey, man. I love it. Yeah, man. So um, I'm uh I'm assuming there may be uh, some folks out there who would like to possibly connect with you. Um, where can people find you at? Yeah, if you go to the uh, the church website, tfh.org, um, which is also where you can get all the podcasts and all that stuff, uh, my wife and I are on there. Um, our emails are on there. Uh, I think there's even a phone number there to reach me at the church. Uh, to make it easy on you, if you want to reach out to me uh, specifically and, and you don't want to go to the website, tim.biddle, B-I-T-T-L-E, um, at tfh.org. And man, yeah, I'd, I'd love to field any questions you got about God or, you know, maybe a bad experience you had in church and you haven't been able to get over that. We'd love to help you out and, uh, and hopefully, uh, maybe open up your perspective a little bit to uh, a different side of God that maybe you haven't seen before. Pastor Tim Biddle. Thank you so much, man. Honor, man. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.